what is our series? Faith comes by hearing. And what? Hearing by the Word of God. If we don't hear the Word of God, what happens to our faith? What happens to our faith? Yeah. We don't, yeah, we don't have any. That's right. This past week, I stood talking to a young man. His family had just gone through a very horrendous, difficult moment. And he looked at me and he said this. If faith is not tested, it is not real. That's true. We can sit around and pray and ask God to give us all sorts of stuff, one of them being faith. But the truth is that when, as he gives us that faith, that faith is going to be tested because that's how you know it's real. That's how you know it's his. Otherwise, we don't just sit around and say, oh, I got faith, I got faith, I got faith. Let me tell you what, the people who have faith have the scars to prove it. Because <laughs> they have walked through whatever it is that God has required of them to get to that place. So the, the word of God, faith comes by hearing. How do we study the Bible? I was asked that question a couple weeks ago. How do we study the Bible? Well, the first thing is, you got to look at it. I mean, it is absolutely, please pardon me if I offend you. It's really my intent to do so. <laughs> If you don't look at it, don't expect me or somebody else to give it to you. Now, if you happen to be here today, and this is the ones I don't want to offend, if you're here today and you don't have a clue who Jesus is, and this is maybe one of the first times in your life you've heard anybody talk about the Word of God, the Bible, and how important it is, you're excused. But those of us who know Christ, particularly those of us who've known Him for a long time, there is no excuse. It is our responsibility to know the Word of God. It is our responsibility to apply the Word of God. And if we're not doing that, then we are offending our God. Listening to a message this week, I love the guy's phrase. It fits mine. Maybe that's why I loved it. I don't know. Here's what he said. He said, Please understand, you are in enemy territory. You are with an enemy who hates you and has every intent to destroy you. And the only way that you will not be destroyed by the enemy who hates you is by the word of God and the wisdom he gives you by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. True. True, true true. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. See here, observation is one thing. Interpretation, what does it mean? We have to read, what does it mean? It takes some time. We, we have the privilege, as I said before, I will say continually, we have the privilege of knowing the author, the one who inspired the men to write this book, the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. If you have scripture, you have trouble understanding, ask him to help you. He wants to. But the, here's the thing. 
The problem is sometimes we want the knowledge. We want to know all the good stuff. But then comes the last thing. In basic biblical study is application. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if you are a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, what are you doing? You have put yourself in a place of delusion. Deception. I see it all the time. I'm amazed. And please understand, I'm not throwing rocks because I have to deal with Steve the same way. I have to be so careful to examine, Lord, am I doing your word the way you, Holy Spirit, are instructing me to do it? So this is not anybody up here telling you, I got it all right. No, I'm working through it. I may be farther along than some of you, but I'm certainly not as far as I'm going to go as long as I get to, what was that song we said? Worthy of every breath. I want to be worthy of every breath. Why would I continue to suck up the oxygen here if I'm not doing it for the glory of the one who gives me the oxygen? Read the word. Study the word. Know the word. Understand what the interpretation is. How does it apply? And then... In the grace of God, by the power of God, and the work of the Holy Spirit, do the word of God. The same speaker made a point that not only do we have this enemy without, we have an enemy within. Right? It's called flesh. And what is that all about? I want what I want. And when we let I have its way, we have a royal mess. Anybody here got a mess today? Oh, I guess I'm the only one in the room. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was just a, you know. So what I'm saying is I've done quit preaching, gone to meddling. I'm up in your life. And, and you know how it is. Some of you guys have been around a long time. So this is an old joke. And some of you never heard it. But um, in our old church, we had the um, slope floor and the open vestibule at the back. And uh, so it kind of illustrated what this pastor said happened in his church. It made it a little easier back then. He's up preaching. And he looks back and he says, hey, hey. He says, there's a guy in the vestibule, and he just, he just took somebody's umbrella, and nobody moved. And he went back to preaching. I told him, hey, 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 the same guy's back. He's got somebody's raincoat. Nobody moved. He went back to preaching. After the service, these people came and said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. During the service, somebody stole my umbrella. Another person, somebody stole my own, my rain jacket. He goes, I told you that. They said, oh, we thought you were just preaching. <laughs> Get the point? <laughs> the source of our faith. We started on James last week. This is the second part. 
basing it all on Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Different translations. New American Standard says Christ. King James says God. The original Greek actually says Christ. The point is, it's God's word. But we don't, we don't treat it that way, do we? We treat it like the optional word. You know, it's optional. I told somebody yesterday, and then I told Sheila this morning, I, I have this illustration. I've been wanting to use it, but I, I got to tell you, I respect the word of God. I do. But what I wanted to do was bring a Bible up here and read some verses and say, you know what? I don't like those verses. And rip out the page and throw it on the floor. Can't bring myself to do that. However, isn't that how we treat it? Oh, maybe we're not to the point that we'd rip the page out. But we say, oh, 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 that's so good. That's for my wife. Hope she gets it. Or the other thing that I've seen over the years is you get to a certain point in the message and, and you're really narrowing down on marriage and I see the wife, bam, elbow the husband. That's for you. It's for us. It's God speaking to us through his word and the Holy Spirit taking that word and making it impactful in our lives. So look at what it says in James 4, beginning in verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? In other words, why are you still acting like immature children? There's another way of saying it. Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? Remember, that's the, that inner conflict, that flesh against the spirit. You lust and do not have... So you commit murder. You're envious and cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You know what's really sad about that scripture to me? I've been in the ministry for over 50 years. 90% of the people I deal with are professing believers. And guess where I spend my time? Trying to help those folks learn how to get along. So they can enjoy the life that God has created for them. What's your conflict? Previously in James, he says, be quick to hear. Thank you. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. There you go. So can I ask you a very personal question? Are you doing that? See, Sheila and I have this great relationship, husband and wife, and she has these spiritual uh, verbiages that she uses. For example, when I get a little carried away, and I'm confessing that I do, and it's wrong, I'm, I'm just saying it's not all the time, but it happens, where I get to be a little preachy with her. And she's so spiritual, she'll look at me and she'll say, okay, it's time for you to be quiet now. Or I should say she does a little motion. Zip it. Of course, you know I'm a man. Gotta get the last word in, so I say, you zip it. <laughs> the point is it makes us laugh. And we say, okay, it's a little carried away. Quick to hear. 
I'm also realizing how much we're already predisposed to hear. And so we don't necessarily hear what's being said. That happens a lot. I've had individuals through the years, and I would see that happening because I know the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I would say to them when they would they would come back at me like, what's that? I, I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did you hear me say? And they would say, and I said, well, I didn't say that. Some of you have been here long enough to know that once I was up here preaching, a guy in the back jumped up. He's back here about where Ryan Sally is. And he jumps up and he says, I don't agree with that statement. I said, well, what statement is it you don't agree with? And he tells me, and I said, well, I can understand why, because I didn't say that. (laughs) Now, this is a guy sitting in an auditorium, just like, well, this auditorium, in fact. And what he heard was not what I said. It happens, people. Don't be so naive to think it doesn't happen to you. Quick to hear. When you have people that you've been around for a while and you kind of know their character and something that's said is not in the character, then you might want to say, what did you hear? Or what, this is what I heard. Because the last thing we need in the body of Christ, as we just heard in the video from Faith Comes By Hearing, we're in this final sprint of the end of time and the gospel going to the four corners of the world. And here we are sitting in Chester, South Carolina, fighting about it. Something, whatever it is. I have some spiritual wisdom and advice for you. If you're fighting with somebody, if you're fussing with somebody, listen up. This is, you get this for free. Stop it. Just stop. It's not worth it. Whatever it is, it's not worth it. Well, I got to get the last word. I got to make my point. I'm going to, I'm going to be right. I've seen a whole lot of folks think they're right. And guess what? Not necessarily the case. What's the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it you've got this conflict with inside of you, and because you do, you're, you know, you're taking it out on the other? It's amazing how we can be so. And I'm, let me get myself in trouble here again. I, I realize God's given us feelings. But let me tell you very clearly, he did not give us those feelings to run our lives and to ultimately, if we let them have their way, ruin our lives. It's just a fact. You can take that one. You lust and have not, and you commit murder. He says, you get to the point that you're so distressed with somebody else at the last, you just say, oh, we say we're dead. That happens in families. And here we are in the final sprint of the world trying to share the gospel with all those who've never had the privilege of sitting in an auditorium like this and hearing the word of God like this. And all we want to do is fuss and feud because I'm not getting my way about something. Grow up, please. You do not have because you do not ask. 
See, what it's talking about here is in this relationship that James is expounding for us is us being in relationship as a child with our father. You ask and do not receive. In other words, he says you finally get to the place where you come to God. Now, sometimes the reason we don't ask God is because we know God don't want us to have what we want. It's just true. Just because I think, and I can, I want something, that does not give me the liberty to go to God and ask for it. What it does give me the liberty to do is take the time to filter it through the Word of God. So when I ask God for something, I'm asking what? In accordance with the will of God. That's what John says. When you ask, ask the things according to His will. But when you do ask, you ask for the wrong motives. Because you want to spend it on your pleasures. And that's a pretty strong word. You adulteresses. Think of James, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writing this book, the book of James. And he says, you guys are adulteresses. In other words, you you got an affair going on with yourself, with the world with Satan and that is not the will and the way of God do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God God says he created this whole thing it's not bad unless we choose to do the things that he says is not for us to do he keeps going therefore whoever wishes to be a friend of the world Look at that. Who wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I got to tell you, I do not want to make myself an enemy of God. He loves me. He loves every one of us. But there are those things in us that he says, I will not tolerate. I love you. I love you. I love you. I gave my son for you. I love you. Or do you think the scripture speaks of no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. In other words, the moment that any of us in this room accepted Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit of God came to dwell in me. And now Father and Son and the Spirit want to have this relationship. Jesus talked about in John 17. Let them be one as we are one. We have that privilege, that opportunity. We don't have to be this on our own it was never intended that way if anybody has ever told you that they're wrong I don't care who it was that's why Paul would say if anybody preaches to you another gospel don't listen to it because our gospel is but he gives a greater grace that's our gospel he gives a greater grace we have the grace. We have that unmerited favor. I did not deserve anything. The only thing I ever deserved on my own was hell. But he gives greater grace. And now not only do I have this life with him here, but I have the promise. I have the promise of life with him forever. Forever. Spending that time in his presence With the bathing of his love over every aspect of our lives. Our beings then. Therefore, this says, God is opposed to the proud. You're in the room, you're proud? You all puffed up? 
do you really want to fight God? I mean, if you do, go for it. I don't recommend it. I've been there. I've been there. I would think I'm right in this. <laughs> way, way back, conflict in the church more than I wanted to contend with. It was on a Wednesday. I'm in my study, and I am bearing down. This church of Second Baptist Church that was going to assemble that night, they were going to hear from Steve that night. Because I'd had it. Aren't you glad we have a loving father? There's a knock on my door. A friend of mine from Florida shows up unexpectedly. I said, come on in. Another friend of mine had called me earlier and said, we were going to meet today, I can't meet. I said, yes, you can, come on. He comes in. So the two of them are in my office. And I mean, I let it go. You know that that saying about I'm going to give them a piece of my mind, which typically I can't afford? That's where I was. Our secretary at that time was Bertha Davis. She said, I have never heard stuff come out of your office like I heard that day. It wasn't profanity or anything like that. It was just loud. And most of the loud was me. And those men of God sit there with me, listen to all my grumbling, all my complaining, all my yuck. As I puked all over the place, spiritually speaking. And then they, in wisdom, said, well, what does God want? What does God want? It made me pause. And then I had the privilege of seeing God take my heart and change it. And then the privilege of seeing God take the hearts of the people of this church family that were existing in that day and change that as well. I promise you it was a miracle. It was a turning point that not everybody even realized took place. I was the one who was so proud and so determined to prove myself right that on that day God had to humble me. Because that humbling that comes, then we're able to submit ourselves to God. And when we submitted, then we can resist the devil. And then he will flee. But let me tell you what. If there's no humbling, there's no submitting. If there's no submitting, there's no resisting. If there's no resisting, there's no fleeing. And we are left to fight ill-equipped. An enemy that will take us out. Just because we have chosen to try and do this thing our way. And it is not the will or the way of God. Draw near to God. And he draws near to you. Let me encourage you this morning to draw near to God. What does that mean, draw near to God? What does that mean to draw near to God? And It means to have a passion for God. So that whatever is taking place, whatever your circumstances might be, 
as Chris said earlier, maybe really joyful, wonderful ones or very difficult ones. But the first thing you do is, okay, God, what is it you want here? What is your will? What is your way? And for me, what God had to do over time was, what is your timing, God? And I can't tell you how good that is for me. I'd love to tell you I get it right all the time. I don't. But more and more. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. Who is this God I'm drawing near? This is the God who created all of the world and mankind. That's fairly powerful in case you didn't know. This is the God who even though he knew that man would fail and fall into sin, he gave us free will. This is the God who knowing before the foundation of the world that we would mess up royally as we have. And he said, but I got a solution. It's my son who loves me, but he loves you and he'll die for you. And he did. And now that love, think about that love. The love that we have for God, where we're putting him first in everything, where we're truly seeking his face, where we truly have that passion for him that all of us should have in everyday experiences. And we're drawing near and drawing near and drawing near and drawing near so that our life becomes more and more his life. So that those who encounter us in our home or wherever it may be, They get to encounter the resurrected Christ. Is that not incredible? Is that not absolutely amazing that that's possible? Draw near to God. I'm I'm encouraging you. I'm admonishing you. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. What does that mean? That means give him the time that he needs and desires of your life. Spend time in his word. We are in a time of history that there is no excuse for anyone not to know the word of God. It's available everywhere. They say, well, that translation doesn't work for me. Then there's many translations. I'm not saying they're all as accurate as others, but the basis, make sure you get the basis is there. And then the audio and the video. I'm telling you, nobody in this room has an excuse. You say, because used to, we literally had people in our church that could not read. And I remember us finding them. Uh, yes, it dates me. Finding them cassettes. The Bible on cassette. And they were just amazed. A lot of what faith comes by hearing does in these tribal communities is they bring in what they call a proclaimer. And that plays. They have a person they're responsible for it. And that plays the Bible in their language. And then the person who is responsible for that player discusses the Bible with them. And they rely upon the Holy Spirit to change their life. We have all of that. And we're still back to... 4-1. Why are you grumbling and fighting about whatever the heck it is that you want to grumble and fight about? Because you want your way. And you want to be right. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. 
James is not writing to the pagans of his day. He's writing to us. You're double-minded. Remember earlier I said, if you lack wisdom, ask wisdom. God gives with generosity, but, don't, but you have to ask in faith because if you don't ask in faith, you're double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter return into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. Bow down before him. He is worthy. We sang those songs earlier. Those are not just lyrics to songs. It's a reality of the Christian life. And he will, in his time, in his way, exalt you. That's up to him. Our job is what? Submit ourselves. Resist the enemy. Draw near to God. And watch, watch, watch with amazement how our God works in our lives for his glory.